Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Peaked Too Early Podcast. I am your host, Blake Munchell. I am back in the United States, uh, so my location has changed, but my general disposition and uh, cranky attitude has not <laughs> due to this last match day. I am joined by the ever-cheerful Oscar Saywell. Oscar, how are mm. you doing? Oh, ever cheerful. That's a nice compliment. I feel like most people wouldn't describe me as such. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, first rainy day in a while. I've enjoyed that. I wish it was cooler. Makes me very excited for fall. Um, the, the, the overwhelming sentiment I have right now is that we know nothing about football. Um, and I'm very excited to dig into this episode because a lot has happened since we've last spoken. Um, the slight caveat to that, Blake, is that the the <laughs> the spiciest take of all time, Leicester getting relegated, is increasingly looking like less and less of a take with every passing match week because I believe they are bottom of the table, uh, having just lost five two to Brighton. So um, we know nothing about football, but maybe you know a little bit more than me. I don't know. Only time will tell. I was gonna say I'm like the flashy. Uh, you know, out of left field, but most of the time I'm right, and you're yeah. the level-headed, but then end up right. being wrong. Um, exactly. There's no, there's no excitement to my predictions, frankly. So, um, yeah, there is one thing that I would like to start this show off that is very Please. predictable, uh, and that is VAR letting us down Ugh. because we've Ooh. both been much grieved. Uh, this yeah, past yeah. weekday for Newcastle, three weeks in a row. Um, but I would like to start with a question for you. Please. Which decision do you think was worse? The call for a foul on Mondi by Bowen or the VAR overturning the Joe Willock incident? Um. If I keep my West Ham hat on, I'm going to stay with West Ham. If I take that off, which is a bit difficult, I think probably objectively the Newcastle call was the worst of the weekend. But we're talking about like the the grandeur of two evils. Like right. both the these decisions were egregious yeah, decisions heinous. We've seen in a long um, time. If I was a Newcastle fan, I would be apoplectic. Is that how you pronounce that word? I would yes. be beside myself. Um that is a scandal. Um, the the West Ham one is dreadful. I actually think that the Martinelli goal that was ruled off ruled out was rubbish as well. And um, McAllister scored one of the best goals in recent Premier League seasons, and that was ruled out for a similarly rubbish. It's kind of offside, but it isn't cool. Horrible week for VAR. And I was sort of reflecting this weekend. I was wondering like. Was this my turning point? For the past two years, I have not been adamant about VAR, but I've been like, okay, it's here to stay, and the alternative will be just as annoying because we'll know that the technology exists for really silly goals that stand to be ruled out. But this was just terrible. I hated this. Um, and I even hated it when I was just trying to enjoy matches that I didn't, that I wasn't invested in. Um, but yeah, I suppose West Ham hat off the Newcastle one was probably worse, but it's thin margins. Um, 
Yeah, I think... Uh, so I agree. I think the Newcastle one is worse. Um, just especially because um, the referee was only showed one angle, which is crazy to me. Right. Um, right. Yeah, you know, they don't show the angle from behind that shows the push. So, like, I understand why the on the pitch referee made the decision, but I think it's more egregious from the VAR ref, uh, which I guess is a bit redundant. Right. The VAR. Um, who um, weirdly interjected um, and then didn't show the full story and got uh, what would have been the winning goal overturned. But I think for West Ham, the fact that there were two incidents in the match that uh, were both poor VAR decisions. Yes. Uh, I'm including Reese we... James' kick out on. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah. Um, that's like a classic red card. Um, so. Yeah. I don't understand, and you know that's almost the definition of violent conduct. So, uh, those are the kinds of things that VAR are meant to catch. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and as a result, Newcastle dropped two points, but uh, West Ham unfortunately dropped all three. Oops, all three, likely. Which because um, I think yeah, the Bowen on Monday incident doesn't happen. I don't think they score in the 94th minute or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I think that it was a real shame to watch that unfold. Um, we haven't started the season very well. We're sort of clicking into gear. Um, I, I can sort of elaborate on that a bit later, but I think it was very disappointing because right now our current status is we need to get points on the table and it, and you know, it just dropping all three felt didn't feel good. So yeah, but, actually um, I would prefer we stay on West Ham for a little bit. Okay. Um, That's fine. Because I think West Ham are not playing as badly as a side in 18th. You would expect. No, um, no, no, no. But you know, like a, credulous draw uh, against Spurs and what should have been a victory against Chelsea. Um, I'm assuming you're not worried at all yet. I am not worried and I don't see how anyone could be worried. Okay. Worried about relegation. I think that's honestly, I mean, knock on wood, that's ludicrous. Um, we've spent too much money we have too good of a squad and we have too experienced of a manager to go down. Um, and I'll add in that I think the the squad cohesiveness, despite these high-profile incomings, is far too high for us to be in relegation trouble. Um, we have started the season poorly, I think it has to be said. And I feel like I had been making this prediction for a little while. I, we will not be competing this year for the European spots unless we win the Europa Conference League. Um, which is absolutely fine. I've I've been saying for several years that all I want is sustainability and consistency. I am actually quite concerned about the amount of money that we've spent. So we bought in Lucas Pakatar, Gianluca Scamacca, Nayefa Gord, Maxwell Corney, Emerson, Flynn Downs, Carrere, and Ariola. For a combined, it's got to be like 150 mil pounds plus. Um, which is an astonishing amount of money for only getting rid of Issa Diop for 50 million pounds. Um, I'm 
I mean, I think that the owners, especially now with this new chat guy, have probably have that money, but it, it does seem like huge investments, which will pile on the pressure, not only on the squad, but also on the management, which is fine. Pressure makes diamonds or whatever, right? Um, I, I think that the recruitment has actually been really, really smart, which is a nice feeling. Like, Lucas Pakatar was being chased by Manchester City and Liverpool. You know something's going right. And, sure, and Newcastle, who know what they're doing now. You know something is going right when we've captured a player like that. I mean, that is a, a great signing. And it's the same with Skamaka. And then Nayefa Gued, despite being a lot of money, is smart. And Maxwell Corney is a great pickup. I was hoping for that a couple months ago, this kind of stuff. I mean, the Emerson signing is bizarre. I don't really understand that. But I guess squad depth, whatever. I think that it makes sense that there has to be a gelling period. My one concern is, is Moyes the man to oversee in 2022 an, an overhaul of the squad? And I think that this is a low-key overhaul because these we've spent a lot of money on these signings and they need to play. So like a microcosm of this issue right now for me is do I back Moyes to play Gianluca Scamacca consistently in front of Mikel Antonio? Because I, I'm, I don't know if they can play together effectively. Like, is he going to do that? No. Should he do that? Probably. Scamacca is, what, 23? Costs a lot of money. Great player. Antonio is in his, like, 32, 33. Fantastic player. We know it. I know you like to tease me about my Antonio views. But also, like, naturally, this guy should be getting less minutes and changing his role in this team to being an impact player, to not being a nailed-on starter all the time. Um, and I don't... Moise is so loyal to the guys that got him to the top, right? And I think, like, this is my major concern with, like, the length of time it will take for the squad to click into gear. And I think that if it is still stuttering come the World Cup, we could see... We could see Moyes being removed from his post during that month and a half that the Premier League has paused for it for the Qatar, you know, competition. Um, and I know that it is a is a bit maybe dramatic, but I could see it going down that path. However, I'm not concerned at all. I think that you know when we weren't scoring, our xG was really high. We will score. Um, you know, we still look capable at the back. We've got Aguero to come back in. Um, I think that we'll have to figure out a good system for our midfield. Um, but I'm I'm fairly confident. Uh, I think we put in a good performance against Tottenham. I didn't think we were great against Chelsea, but we should have got points out of it. So I think that this should snowball and we'll start to move up the table. And I'm targeting a a 10th place to 8th place finish this season and you know on paper will that be good enough for the owners to stick with Moyes I don't know but I think for West Ham itself you know consistency is key and a deep run in cup competitions I'll be happy um and that's how I feel about West Ham right now I don't know if you have ideas or thoughts about it as someone removed from the club but I would love to hear them because I'm not actually sure what others think of West Ham right now uh, well, first, of course, massively jealous that West Ham signed Paqueta um, mm-hmm. because I thought he would have been a very good signing for Newcastle. No, he would have uh, been, yeah. And 
on Moyes getting the sack, I think that first, right now, the odds are so slim that Skybet won't even give you the ability to bet on Moyes being sacked. Um, right. You'd have no, to bet. he's not going to. It's a, yeah. some other manager other than the managers they allow you to bet on. Um, right. So uh, Vegas doesn't think that uh, Moyes will get sacked, and neither do I. Um, I'm a big no, believer he, I, in following Vegas. Um, let me, let me be clear. I don't think he's going to get sacked either. I, yes, I, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't predict West Ham continue to struggle. Um, I think that there's clearly 10 sides worse than West Ham. Um, oh, easy. And I think with this weird stop-start season, um, I think squad cohesion is going to be very important, and there are going to be some sides that are able to spring back from the long breaks um, and really you know, jump on a few teams, whereas other teams are really going to struggle. Um, I agree that Moyes is loyal to a T, um, and I think that can be an issue, but look mm. at where it's gotten him. Um, yeah, yeah, so, you're right. Y- you know, it's, it, it's not struggling now, but it's only six weeks into the season. So um, whereas he's had however many years of sustained uh, success at West Ham. So yeah. um, I think West Ham has very little to worry about. Um, I think I'm actually surprised they're in 18th. The table is pretty uh, crazy, hard to believe right now. Yeah, um, no, it's, it means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but even more so than a normal season where the table means nothing. I think right now the table mm. is all over the place. Um, I don't know if you want, uh, if you have a specific team in mind to go to next. Yeah, t- talk to me about Newcastle, because we may as well start with that, right? I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts on the opening five weeks or whatever. It's well, been. first, I would say... Uh, Newcastle have been absolutely shafted this season. Um, it's some of the worst bad luck I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, the Man City match, Ruben Diaz should be sent off with a red card. Um, and yeah. Newcastle been given a penalty. Um, it's a high elbow. It's reckless. It's dangerous. He gets nowhere near the ball. Um, he's about a second early. Then... The next match, the Wolves match, um, I forget who the player is. I think it's Ruben Neves. Yanks down Sean Longstaff in the box um, by the back of the shirt. Referee Mm. and VAR somehow don't do anything about that. Liverpool match, uh, Alexander Isak is maybe, maybe offsides by a few millimeters, maybe onsides by a few millimeters. Um, and I thought that this was the type of offsides that the new offsides rule was supposed to give to the attacker. Um, so I think Newcastle should have had a second goal in that match. Um, yeah. Uh, and then of course this most recent one and the most egregious, the Willick push by Tariq Lamptey or sorry, not Tariq Lamptey. It's, um, Tariq Mitchell. Um, 
Yes. Just unexcusable. Um, I've never seen so many different outlets come out against the decision. Um, it was even, everyone. It was, it was, I haven't seen anyone argue uh, that it wasn't a foul and the absolute incorrect decision. However, outside of all of that, in every match, Newcastle has played very well, been in the match, taken it to the other team. Um, Sean Dyche has his new show um, that he's doing for, I don't remember if it's for Sky Sports or who it's for, but he's essentially talking about like what goes into the mind of a manager um, okay. on a match day or match week. Um, and he talks about how, as a manager, you can set up for any match in any way unless you go to a Man City or you go to a Liverpool. And essentially, he was like, any manager who goes and tries to attack those two teams is insane. Um, yeah. And Eddie Howe and Newcastle went to, or uh, welcomed yeah. Man City, attacked them, nearly won. Yeah, went amazing. at Liverpool, at Anfield, almost won. Um, so even though right now it's only like one win in six, um, it's also only one defeat in six, and that's to Liverpool. We've had a very tough start to the season, played a lot of good teams. Um, but overall, I'm extremely happy. We signed Alexander Isak on yes the Tuesday, I believe it was, um, who got a goal on debut. And what uh, a goal it got was. A goal. Yes, excellent goal. Um, it, I think it well covers the type of striker he is. Um, yeah. That he can get that quick uh, finish off um, and convert at a very high rate. Um, he, you also saw some of his struggles, like in the Newcastle Palace match. He, uh, he had a one-on-one where he nicked the ball off of Joachim Anderson, um, and he sort of just narrowed or got too close to the goalkeeper um, and yeah. forced himself into a bad shot, um, which was well saved. I suppose by uh, Vicente Guaita, who had a very good match, but I think just overall, every signing Newcastle have made this window have contributed well, um, and things are looking up for Newcastle. So that's very yeah. nice. Not something it I'm sure used is. to. So yeah, um, it's all feeling very sensible from the club, which yeah could be construed as ominous by those who dislike the way that elite English football is going with regards to ownership, but I'm sure is very nice for Newcastle fans, and why shouldn't you enjoy it while it's happening, frankly? Yes. Um, Even I just like watching football and not having to fear about relegation every single season is a very nice feeling. It makes me enjoy football oh, so much more. Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of like the seasons we were in the the championship, you know, I could watch football and I mean we were unbelievably good for the championship. So we won almost every week. Um but even if we mm. did lose there was no fear that a loss would mean anything really. Um mm. because, you know, I you knew if Newcastle failed to get promoted they'd probably 
go again the next season and get promoted that season. So the fear or the lack of fear of relegation um, makes football very nice, which makes me question the sanity of any Norwich, West Brom, Watford, Fulham fans um, who can put up with their sides going up and down year after year. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, although I guess I was that fan up until this season. So, um, yeah. Changes um, season on season. Yeah. Things are looking up in Newcastle. Um, I suppose we should talk about where things are looking down. Um, Let's do it. Brendan Rogers easily oh. favorite Oof. to get sacked. Um, Leicester fans online, uh, I've seen a lot of them say, like, what more do they have to see? Do they have to wait for another loss um, to sack Rogers? Why don't they just sack him now? Mm. Um, the, my only like pushback to that argument is who realistically could Leicester bring in? Um, which I think, I don't know, maybe that's a naive argument um, by me, but like they're not going to bring in Pochettino. Don't die, Sean Dyche. Uh, okay, but uh, sure, would, I would love them to bring in Sean Dyche. He but... would be amazing with them. He would be amazing. Especially seeing as especially seeing as it looks like they have to completely retreat with their spending, right? Like this is the noise coming in from the ownership group from Srivadana Prana that they don't have money to spend. The pandemic has killed them. They need to downsize. And Sean Dyche is the master of that. Plus, and I'm sorry, I know I interrupted you. I'm just going to say it real quick. The, the team they have is ridiculous on paper. Like that attacking team, like the attacking portion of that team, Madison, Barnes, Iheanacho, Dhaka, Vardy, Tielemans. That is just like, that's a good team. And I think, frankly, people who are still defending Brendan Rodgers, this guy is like, he's got the ego the size of the sun. And he, he clearly thinks he is above this situation. So he either needs to get fired or, and this is, I think, is more likely, he's going to walk. I think he's going to walk. Um, Do you think that happens before Sunday? Or do you think that it's going to come after whoever they have next, um, Aston Villa? Um, if they lose to Villa, I think he goes. Because Villa have been so awful at the beginning of the season. Um, right, and so I know they just drew 1-1 one, one to... They just drew to City. But, um, but they haven't been good. I think he walks if they lose to Villa, especially if they lose like comfortably. Um, and frankly, at this point, I think it's better for everyone involved because this Leicester team has underperformed last year and it's clearly underperforming this year. And there's, there's, there's other people out there that, that can take them forward. There really is. Like, Brendan Rodgers is not the Messiah, you know? Yes. You know I love Sean Dyche, so of course I think yeah. he'd be a good signing. Um, yeah. I just didn't know if he would be considered below Leicester City. Well, I mean, but this is the thing. It's ridiculous. He should be like, I'm, I don't like Sean Dyche as a personality, but this guy is a brilliant manager and the links with him, like being the favorite to join Bournemouth, that is genuinely beneath him. 
He, I, what else does he have to do to prove that he is an excellent manager? And look, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a similar thing with players. Maybe this guy isn't being signed because he is actually a dick and no club wants to sign him, which I would find very surprising. But I mean, he deserves a, a, a bigger team. And Leicester is that profile. Recent success. They will have money again in the future. Good team. Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer for me, frankly. No-brainer. So he's a progressive manager. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, he's... I don't know. Maybe he'll be the next half of a generation's uh, you know, big Sam. Uh, the... Yeah, but but painting him with that brush, and I know, I know I just Sam, like a, a savior for relegate can get yeah, the most out of a, a squad that's not good enough. And I, I just again, up. he doesn't, he, he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve that role. He's better than that. I don't know. Um, hot take of the century from Oscar. England do terribly in the World Cup. Sean Dyche to England. That'd be amazing. Yeah, he'd be good. He would be good. He would be. He can Get work with this. He's a good player. manager. <laughs> Probably. Oh, man. Um, I um, but yeah, yes. I mean, yeah, Leicester are definitely struggling, along with Villa. Those are the two teams, those, those are the two established Premier League teams that I am worried about so far this yeah. season. I think there are bad signs in both those squads. Yeah, maybe this is one of those match days where you see the loser get sacked right after the match um and then yeah i mean talking about sack managers next week scott parker being sacked or it was vague wasn't it was it sort of like left mutually kind of thing uh after yeah, his comments sounds, right yeah it sounds yeah. comment related not uh after his after his comments no. about um the nine nil defeat where he basically said it will happen again if they don't strengthen um are you on the parker camp are you in the bournemouth camp can any manager survive um, after making comments like that? Is that appropriate? Like, what did you think about that when it broke that news? I think it's like, uh, you know, the most obvious statement. Like, I don't think it's like shocking. You know, I think it's just kind of that's what happens when you're a promoted side and you play mm. some very incredible teams. Um, you know, you're really going to struggle. Um, so, you know, I think, sure, I can see why a side that just got promoted, the board don't want their manager making statements like this, um, you know, because they're so obvious, um, you know, that it doesn't do anyone any good publicly stating it, but it also doesn't do anyone any good trying to pretend that Bournemouth did strengthen enough to for us to have any confidence that they're going to stay up this season. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, you know, Scott Parker, Newcastle legend, you know, captain of Newcastle for many years. So West Ham, West Ham um, cult hero. Yeah, but more of a Newcastle legend. Oh, uh, for sure. Uh, this is like West Ham claiming Kevin Nolan as their own. Uh, he's always a Geordie. Um, oh yeah, but we really do claim him, don't we? 
Well, well, he really yeah, did he made and... way more appearances for West yeah. Ham and is now a coach. But, so. but listen to me, Blake. Scott Parker made double the appearances for us than he did for you. That's crazy. He never counted. So I think we do. I don't think he did because I think that was the Nolan years. Or like at least the beginning of the Nolan years. I, I think we do have a claim to fame. For, or that's the wrong phrase, but we have a claim on him. I think legitimately. He, he, apart from, he made Charlton, he made the most appearances, and we're closely followed. So, I'm well, claiming Scott Parker. That's fine. Newcastle and West Ham have a very incestuous uh, <laughs> relationship with former players. Um, yeah. Mainly because we've occupied the same spot. Um, yeah, we're similar. Uh, similar teams, underachieving teams. But yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it is. I'm slightly on the Scott Parker side. I think sure. those comments, while they could be conceived as inflammatory, are simply stating the truth. Um, you know, I think unless you're Nottingham, I don't think you can say you've spent enough to hope to compete. Um, you know, it's just matter of fact is if you're a promoted side, your squad's not good enough. So you have to spend a lot. So if you don't get supported in the window, more oftentimes than not, we see you go back down. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So what do you think's next for Scott Parker? This is a great question. Um, I think that he has shown promise as a manager, especially in his attacking intent, certainly in the championship. I think that if he wants to build a career in, in the championship and, and being that guy that uh, makes very competitive teams in the championship and brings them up, I think that's great. I think he is very much good enough to do that. Um, my enduring issue with him is his defensive coaching. It's it's It was terrible at, at Fulham and it was clearly not working in Bournemouth. Um, if he pairs himself with a really top tier defensive coach somehow, and he could get something right. Um, but yeah, I think he'll have to drop back down again. Um, but if I was a championship side, I mean, I'd definitely be looking at him. Uh, he's, he's, you know, decent manager. I, I don't see why, frankly, you know, the likes of Frank Lampard, I don't see much separating them. Frank Lampard got the keys to Chelsea. And so he got to work with incredible players and achieved something for, you know, ten months with Chelsea, and but they're pretty similar to me. So, um, yeah, decent. He's fine. I didn't know that Gary O'Neill was the yeah, he is. caretaker. Um, I, I mean, he stabilized them a bit in these first two matches. I mean, you know, the 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 draw and then the the win against Forest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, maybe, maybe give him give him a chance. Yeah, yeah. I think Scott Parker really quickly uh is like the sexiest manager you could hire in the championship currently um like sexy look wise yeah okay. both. Uh, no and, and if you're, he looked hmm. you know when west brom sack steve bruce which they will very soon i could mm. you know that promotion See chasing uh you know i think that's a good fit for scott parker until he proves himself more I think he's. That's actually how Steve Bruce cut his teeth was getting sides promoted um, and then being atrocious in the Premier League. So maybe 
Scott Parker is the new Steve Bruce. Um, God, that'd be sad. Scott Parker looks too much like an action figure. Just throwing that in there. <laughs> he does. He looks like a fake person. Um, it's like him and Arteta look fake. But, yeah, I think I think he looks a little bit like Tom Cruise. Um, yeah. So, uh, like the hair that never moves as well. So yes, it's it is something. There's something odd about it to me, for sure. Um. Yeah. However, despite all this, they are in thirteenth, which is uh much better than many sides um yeah i guess we should talk briefly about the final favorite manager to get sacked uh frankie lampard at everton uh i think they've been better than they were in the last 16 or so matches of last season um I think yes. No matter what, he's the the fight is there from the players, um, which is probably why they're in sixteenth, getting many ragged draws against sides that are better than them. Um, which who knows? Maybe that'll be good enough to save Frank Lampard a job for a while. But I think it's just the precarious position where uh, mm. eventually, you know, a dog backed into a corner is going to tire itself out, um, which is kind of what I see Everton as. Um, And although they maintained or retained Anthony Gordon, which looked... Mm, That was a uh, weird one. What a strange transfer saga that was. Crazy. Talks of him going for 90 million. I would have loved to see it just for... Ridiculous. Ridiculous. uh, It would have been fun. Um, but uh yeah so between frank lampard stevie g and brendan rogers who do you think goes first uh rogers because i think he'll walk uh but i think stephen gerrard's in trouble as well the amount of investment that he received is it's too much insane it's weird that he, uh, i I don't think he receives nearly as much criticism as he should for the because everyone loves Stephen Gerrard. Villa, yeah, yeah. So I guess um, it's the same, same with Lampard, right? The, right, right. The English players get respect. Yeah. Um, Those two are the darlings. They are the darlings of the last twenty years in English football, More, beyond anyone else. Right, like Gerrard and Lampard are just—they can do no wrong in the eyes of most. On Lampard, I think that this like this season, I, I think Everton have been perfectly fine. I think that they've doubled down on their uh, we fight to the death mentality, which reflects positively on Frank Lampard. Um, there are still many question marks over his managerial capabilities, but in the game against Liverpool, they were really good um, at shutting Liverpool down. Pickford was great. Um, Lampard, I think, does seem to, to, to guess it, right? Like, he seems to understand the energy of Everton Football Club in a way that people assumed Steven Gerrard would get the energy of Villa because of his ties to Liverpool. And those are two big second cities in the UK that are incredibly passionate about football and uh, have a very intense um, niche, like, 
cultural relevance, right? Like they're very much their own. Birmingham and and Liverpool are very much their own cities. Um, and I, I I think I think Lampard has sort of worn that you know worn that cloak or whatever the phrase is better than than Gerard has to his credit. And I like their summer recruitment, you know. Um, Apart from Neil Morpé, I think that's a terrible signing for £15 million. If he can't score like more than 10 goals at Brighton, he's going to get like three at Everton. But Connor Cody, Tarkovsky, I mean, we've mentioned these players, right? Anana, uh, that's decent. and Dwight um, McNeil. Dwight McNeil is a great pickup. Um, Connor Cody, who I once called yeah, Cody England's best centre-back. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's a great. He's great. He's fantastic. Liverpool fan, hilarious. But I mean, he's fantastic. Um, he's a great defender. So is James Tarkovsky. So right now, I, I I see no worry of them going down. I'd be more worried about even the likes of Southampton and Everton right now. Um, whether they can sustain it is is another question. But I don't think they'll have many players going to the World Cup, apart from Pickford. But that's fine. You know, I mean, goalies don't run around that much. Um, and it will keep him sharp. I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah decent. Sure, I, I'm less likely to call them fine. Um, okay, I said okay. that they drew a bunch of sides that were better than them. Uh, I looked at the sides they drew. I, in my head, right. I was thinking about the Liverpool draw. But other than the Liverpool draw, you know, they're drawing Leeds, who I'm not so sold on. Brentford who have started this season incredibly. Oh my God, uh, yeah. Forest, who I think are dead on to be relegated. Um, yes. So, you know, maybe, maybe I overspoke a little bit. Um, I yeah. actually did not I just, watch yeah. the Everton-Liverpool match, but it was described to me as one of the best 0-0 draws they yes. had ever seen. Would you agree? Uh, I I saw extended highlights only. I'll be upfront and admit that. But I have also read the same. Um, the Merseyside derby has been really really good in recent years. Uh, since like 2019, it's been excellent. So I'll have to catch it in the new year. Yeah, very fair. Um, I certainly I always miss these sorts of matches. Um, I always yeah. have my eyes I did. And then I realized I did catch the uh, the Forest Everton game, and that was a great game as well. And Damari Gray scored an absolutely incredible goal. It was like Salah esque. Um, that was an amazing goal he scored in that game. So maybe I don't know. Maybe Everton will be kind of fun to watch as a neutral because they're so scrappy. Yeah, um, you know I love Damari Gray. So uh, we all love Damari Gray. He will at least be quite interesting. Um, moving on, uh, we can talk about some high flyers or we can talk about some underperformers. Um, um really whatever let's you would prefer. Spin, spin on the positive. Talk to me about some, a couple of high flyers. I, I got Brighton and Brentford in my mind for sure. Let's start with Brentford, I suppose, cause they're a little bit lower okay. and then we can make our way up. Um, all right, well, pause, pause right now. That's all I have to say. Oh my God, dude. I mean, listeners, if you have not seen this man's performance this last weekend, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. The third goal is the coldest, like, third, you know, hat, like, complete the hat trick goal I've seen possibly ever. Like, 
audacious on the weekend. It was it was a thrill to watch. I really have to say, um, just go watch the highlights. And I mean, if I was a Newcastle fan, I would be weeping that I pissed that the club pissed him off so much that he's not there because he's a perfect fit for this current iteration of Newcastle on the up with the money. Um, wow. I mean, I was blown away by that performance. I really was. Oh, Blake, well, England, England. I think do you he think? has to be. You think, think you think World Cup contention to Kane? I think he what should be, but I don't, I don't think Southgate will. I think he should be, but Southgate won't. Um, but he should be. He really, really should be. I mean, Tammy Abraham deserves to go, I think. Um, and I would say they're actually quite a similar profile. But I, that guy, the guy is, deserves it on the current form because it's sensational. It really is. He's just so ice cold. Like, he, he I mean, uh, maybe he's a really arrogant man. But, I mean, he just look. he's so confident. Nothing phases him. It's amazing. Um, 26 now. I think Brentford has given him a ton. Um, and, and, you know, I would love to see him stay at Brentford and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think uh, as a backup to Harry Kane, I mean, he would be excellent um, playing for a Champions League level club, for sure. Five and uh, six now. Uh, yeah, I... You know, we're running out of words to describe Ivan Tony. Um, no, he's, ever since he's he came back up. A maverick. Uh, yeah. yeah, Newcastle only getting three million for him uh, seems like uh, a really shit deal by us. Um, yeah, it's, it's it wasn't horrible. even three million. It was because we got fifteen percent of the sell on. So uh, right, right. Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, but uh, Brentford in general, you know, they. Uh, they have their system. They have Thomas. Yeah, they just yeah, they're so they well coached, aren't they? Make it work. You know, they're a classic side of a lot of average players, some outstanding players, and yeah. make it all combine to a above average team. Ben Mee um, has been a great addition. Um, you know, they they got they got stuff off the bench. They got Aaron Hickey through the door for depth. Uh, they've got young players coupled with experienced players. There does not seem to be any sec- second season syndrome, third season syndrome, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, go on Brentford. I mean, and and then similarly Brighton, who at this point, I mean, I think they're in the Champions League spots right now after pummeling Leicester. Brighton are amazing. Um, Graham Potter is just like genuinely a superstar manager as well. Uh, I think he is just so good at taking players who kind of like they don't really have a position or they do have a position, but then he's like, no, you're actually better suited to this and you're going to play, you're, we're going to try it. And then it always works out really well. Like McAllister is a great example of this. They bought an Argentinian number 10 and he's playing him in front of the back four and he's putting in performances like he did against Leicester on the weekend. Um, you know, I mean, that is great. And I just love the fact that last season, Brighton fans were booing Graham Potter. Imagine, they were booing Graham Potter. Very bizarre. Um, but they've been excellent as well this season. So far. Yes. Also, all of... Brighton's players are quite likable. Um, like yeah. Anik Mwapu, 
Um, yep, Caicedo. Such a cool player. Yeah, Caicedo. Yeah, super cool. Trossard yeah. looks like he's a sleepy little baby. And yeah, Trossard, a little puts so in sleepy. Great performances. McAllister, um, I thought he. I hate those done. McAllister, he came in with a reputation and has not. Like it must have either he's either left it behind or there's been no whispers of anything wrong with him. I love Danny Welbeck. You probably hate him, but I love him. You know, they just got a fun team, really. And they've added in Billy Gilmore for eight million pounds. Which is I mean Meh. seems no, I think he's a good I mean I think he's good. Eight million pounds is is very low. Um very, very low. Um, Apparently he they, he forced it through. He didn't want to. Um, he didn't want to go on loan. He was like, "No, you got to sell me." And Chelsea were like, "Okay." I mean, I think eight million is good for Chelsea. Um, mm. I just I don't. I've not seen enough of Billy Gilmore. Um, I like him. He has some good performances, but then he has a lot of very average to pull. yeah we'll, we'll see he needs to develop for sure um but i i do like that business i mean i just wish brighton i will see how dennis undav does the striker that they bought in i think from yep. the Belgian I was gonna bring him up. maybe saint gilois is that where they bought him in from but um yeah yes words i, I mean imagine imagine Union if Bonjour. oh yeah union saint gilois or whatever imagine if brighton had alexander mitrovic Right, like they would push European places if they had a guaranteed goal striker, and we'll talk about Mitrovic yeah. in a second because Fulham are another high flyers. But or imagine if they brought in Armando Broja, took a punt on him, or something like that. Like that's the one criticism of their recruitment: they can't seem to get the strikers right, um, or they can't seem to attract a striker that will put the goals in, which I I understand is very difficult. There's a dearth of sco- goal scoring ability across Europe right now that is available. But, you know, it's just a, they're just a great team. They just really are. It's funny that you bring up Mitrovic when talking about Den- or Brighton Strikers because Dennis Undov looks like Mitrovic. He does a bit, um, doesn't he? He does a bit. Very similar faces. They have the beard, the same haircut. Um, yeah, I guess let's just roll straight in um, and talk about uh, Scott Parker's former mm. uh, Love interest Fulham Football Club, uh, who wow. continue to either win or put in good performances. Just, just wow! Loss. Yeah, I, I, I've watched them several times this season, and it, it's amazing. They, they, they have fire in their belly, ice in the veins, kind of thing. Like they're just. Remember how much I ridiculed Andres Pereira? This guy has been absolutely sensational. He's a press monster. Who'd have thought? He's put in sensational performances for them. And, you know, like I was mentioning pre-pod, they've got in, like, Dan James on at the, at the end, like, Willian's through the door. Um, Vinicius, Carlos Vinicius, who played for Tottenham a couple seasons ago and just had a great season in the Eredivisie from Benfica. Um, so they've actually made those signings that... Marco Silva was crying out for a few weeks ago and are still putting in these incredible performances. I mean, it is nice to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a start to the season for Fulham. Uh, really quickly, talking about Andres Pereira. Yeah. Um, 
This is a throwback to seasons past where I ask you questions. Can you tell me how many years Andreas Pereira lived in Brazil? Oh, isn't he like Belgian? Like, is isn't he born in Belgium or something? Something weird like this. It's got. I'm gonna go small. I'm gonna say. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What about one when he was at Flamengo last season? Just one year. Never lived there before. Yes, I think he was only there for six months. Six months. Wow. Uh, no, never mind. It was one year. Um, yes, he is half Brazilian. His he's eligible to play for Brazil through his father. Uh, he was a footballer, right? His father, I think. Uh, I think he sure. was. I think that's why they were in Belgium, because yes. uh, his father uh, played there. Yes, his father played for Lommel in Belgium. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, um, I mean, he's well, 26 like, now, um, so it's strange that crazy. he's... The fact that he's not 29 or 30. Yeah. Um, but, but he's been amazing. And, and all this after he basically admitted that he didn't really want to go to Fulham because he wanted to go back to Brazil. And, and look at him now. It, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah, all of Fulham. Um, Fulham's another team with some star players and some very average players and uh, a good system that is uh, allowing them to do very, very well. Um, can, we, um, can we talk about Mitro? I was going to ask, is, have you seen enough from Mitrovic this season to say he has shaken off the cobwebs of his never being able to adapt to the Premier League? Uh, title that he had been given yes because i think he's the best aerial striker in the league right now i i I don't think anyone can handle him in the air at all and not only that he's shown prowess with the ball at his feet which is just ridiculous to me like this this guy put virgil van dyke on his backside like i i think that i don't want to get over excited because he will slow down he has six and six right now if he, you know, last year it was 43 and 44 in the championship. If he does that this season in the Premier League, Ballon d'Or, right? Like, that's ridiculous. He won't. But I think that something has clicked either in his body or his brain or both. And there's no way that he's going to be a flop this season. I think he will score more than 10 goals. Um, I mean, I, right now, in the past couple of weeks, I've actually been concerned that he's the only one that's been scoring. Um, I think they haven't had people chip in, but yeah, you know, I just think that something has clicked with him, and and he has been just great, unplayable this season. Really, I mean, no one can handle him. Yeah. I shudder to think what he'd do against West Ham centre backs. <laughs> he has six and six, um, the perfect strikers uh, stat line: six goals, zero assists. Yeah, uh, he. Yeah, just He'll all around. Score. Uh, I would be terrified. He would probably kill me if I went up in an aerial battle. Um, yeah, he I would. He would, would kill us both. A crumple. Um, yeah. At least you have the height. I would. Uh, he would. Yeah, I mean, he's shorter about... than me, but he would. He would kill me. He would kill me. Uh, he would go this through you. He would go over me. Uh, I mean, I can't wait to see him. For example, against Lissandra Martinez, like that. That would be fascinating because Martinez, as we've seen, yeah, he was ridiculed for his height at the beginning, 
but as we've seen, is incredibly smart. Like he knows how to win area duels, and he also knows how to deal with big, big strikers. And I think that the, like a matchup like that is just going to be great. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, Mitro, Mitro. My only reservations about Fulham so far is, do they really have the squad to keep this up for so much longer? Um, no, but I don't think they need it right now, right? Like, they need to survive in the Premier League this season. They don't need anything more than that. And I think that the performances they've, that they've put in show that they can do that. And they've, they added a few players at the, at the back end of the, the transfer window that, really, seriously, like Carlos Vinicius, Dan James, Willian, like these players, Willian, I mean, I don't know what the hell he's going to do, but he's a good dressing room character, like he's experienced. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, a um, winner. Um, he's a winner. Yeah, exactly. He'll bring that winning mentality. Um, it's just I am hesitant to give too much to a side that is starting Tim Ream every match. Um, but he's been amazing this season. That's the thing. Like he's unrecognizable. Uh, you know, I but, mean, he's like thirty-six. He's ancient, but he's he's gonna, how many been amazing. It's so rare to see a player, you know, go 15 years of a career where they're the yeah. number one liability on the defense. And then for six matches in a season, sure. you know, he plays really well and everyone says, okay, well, he's obviously the solution. Yeah. He's going to keep. I think up. he's definitely not going to do that. And I think that that, that defensive partnership is, is a concern because a myriad of reasons. However, something that I would put to you, right, is like right now, I, I understand it's six matches in. Right now, I'm, I think there are many worse teams. Like, Forest are much worse. Bournemouth are worse. Um, you know, Villa are worse right now. West Ham have been playing worse. Um, you know, I, I think that they have shown, they've shown, they've shown something sustainable. They've shown something that, that will keep them up. They've shown that consistency, that fight. It's a never-say-die attitude coupled with quality players. And, and then the rest will be a bit of luck and a bit of scrap. And, and yeah, I hope they stay up, basically. Um, yeah. But I who mean, knows? In another month, it could be like they're terrible. So who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll walk back on our comments. I'm sure we will. The the best thing for us to do is for you to take side A and I to take side B on every argument, yeah. and then in yeah. one month's time, one of us will always be correct. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so uh, that is our high flyers. The only other side that I think we need to really talk about in depth is, unfortunately, Arsenal Football Club. And Man U. We have to talk about Man U. I suppose. I guess we can talk about it in the context of we'll talk, this match. Yeah, we'll talk about it in the context of the match, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. This was... Uh, uh, who's the um, Sky Sports guy who's not Martin Keown? The other guy. There's so many of them, Blake. I don't the, know. The guy who did the main commenting on this match. Uh, boring ex-player from the 80s um, that no one really cares about. 
But anyways, it, it, he, oh, yeah. it doesn't really matter who it is. I don't know. Um, but uh, he talked about Jamie Redknapp. This, mm, I yeah, don't I think so. Okay, I think it was someone else. Yeah. Um, he talked about how this was a return to the good days of the Premier League, um, which I thought was a little bit overhand. Um, it wasn't. Oh, was it Tony Cotty? He says shit like that all the time. Um, Probably was. It, it's it, irrelevant. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. You know I don't know the answer, so... Yeah, okay, okay. Um, Irrelevant. My bad. The, uh... It was a heavyweight clash that, you know, gets uh, lauded as an excellent match. It was a good match, sure. I'll oh, I thought that. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I, I... Sure. I would say it was a good match. Um... A quite good match. I will even give it those props. Um, and I guess most of my disdain towards this match is I just dislike the play style um, that big teams tend to play. Um, I think generally just a lot of players aren't a lot of fun to watch. Um, however, this match did sort of have everything. It had goals it had skills it had fouls it had var controversy um and in the end high-flying arsenal who have looked uh both impenetrable and unstoppable were both penetrated and stopped um by manchester united who started out as the laughing stock of this season and since have turned it around and are the number one informed team in the Premier League. Um, so I suppose in that way, it lived up to the mm. billing. Um, yeah. But um, t- tell me a little bit, what did you see? Why did Arsenal lose this? Um, how egregious was the foul from Udegar sure. um, that got called? Uh, just walk through a little bit. I saw, I saw a... A Manchester United team that is being extremely well coached. And I saw a Manchester United team that has bought into Eric Ten Hag as a personality and as a coach himself. I saw, I think, in the opening 20 minutes, some of the style that Ten Hag actually wants to play, which is, you know, fluidity on the ball, pressing when necessary, attacking verve. Um, I think that the sky, the, you know, the, 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 famous commentators you know in england your soonesses etc your gary nevels very overblown in what they were saying about manchester united i think that on another day slash like if this was at the emirates arsenal win this right like before the second goal went in for united i think arsenal could have been 3-1 up it could have been the reverse they had many chances. Gabriel Jesus, again, was absolutely sensational. Um, Arsenal were sort of forced to play Samuel Lokonga in the midfield. And he is, I think, a genuinely a very good player, but also he's like 21. And it playing out of position and away at Old Trafford. And so that's, you know, going to be difficult for him. Um, Manu were also doing things like not doubling up on Bukayo Saka, which is absolutely insane. It's why he scored. Um, I think that 
Arteta shot himself in the foot with the triple change he made or double change. He put on Fabio Vieira and Emile Smith-Rowe, I believe, maybe one other. And that was when the goal came for United. The Ericsson run from deep. Absolutely no one picked him up. The high line from Arsenal looked completely static and it was a, a Marcus Rashford tap-in. Um, and, and I think so. I think that that defending or that defensive setup from Arsenal was, was really, really poor. And yeah, I think you have to lay that blame on, on, on Arteta. Um, Manu just looked incredibly up for it as well. And I think that finally their attackers are shining through. Marcus Rashford, honestly, thank God, looks rejuvenated. I was concerned that he was going a Deli Alley route uh, of like being completely disinterested in football. Um, so, you know, he looked excellent. I was pleased when I saw him. I haven't seen him do this in ages. You know, the classic Marcus Rashford thing where he picks up the ball from deep and he drives at players. This is something that he's been excellent at over the past few years and he hasn't done it, you know, in the last 18 months. Um, and he was doing that constantly in this match. He got uh, two goals himself uh, against Arsenal. Um you know, I think that it's not panic stations at all for Arsenal either. I think this is a good wake-up call, right? Like, Arsenal have been absolutely excellent this season. They're still top of the table with 15 points. Um, but this shows that they can't cruise through matches, and it also shows that um, they need to find different ways of beating different styles of teams. Um, so I just think all around it was it was a really good match, and I agree with you that usually I don't like watching these classic high-profile matches, but this felt like a return to the to the Arsenal Man United matches of old. It was feisty, it was loud, there was skillful football. Um and it was just really enjoyable. And then obviously shout out Anthony he scored in his debut, went absolutely wild. I think he will be the Premier League villain this season. Every team is gonna absolutely despise that man and Man United fans are gonna love him. Um still ludicrously expensive, laughably expensive, but uh, what a good what a good debut for him. Yeah. Um, where to start? Yeah. Um, um, I'll start with Marcus Rashford. Um, I thought he played very well. I thought his passing yeah, he was, was very excellent. nice. Um, yeah. I thought he occupied many different roles very well throughout the match. Um, and that's because he's down the middle. It's, you know, like he's not on the wing. That's why. He's a center forward, that, that man. Sorry, keep going. Um, he, uh, I, it also looks like he's put on a little bit of weight, which I think might yeah, suit him to playing bulk. in the middle a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then moving out wide, yeah, Anthony, uh, yeah, I already hate him. So, yeah, um, he's, he's a villain. He is the villain. He looks like one too. Yeah. He's what, you'd call in wrestling the heel um like the bad not the bad boy but uh the antics cause everyone to hate yes him. um yeah and i thought he was you know quite good um for it was a well-taken goal yeah the, yeah the goal excellent um kind of super predictable um it was he was given a lot of space and I, I think anyone watching on TV could tell exactly what he was going to try to do. Um, but it was very well taken. So, you know, props yeah, props to him. Kiss the badge. I always think it's funny. 
Yes, because you can't do that. In my opinion, like, yeah, kissing the badge is like, you know, when you're truly in love with your club. And if you've been there yeah. for three days, you're not in you're love not, with your yeah. club. Um, well, he did everything, didn't he? He did the kiss a bag, tug the shirt. Uh, he did the point of the, the sky. Back. He did the su- double back, suck the thumb because he's having a kid. Uh, he did everything. It was like six celebrations in one. Um, he did do everything, uh, including he had a, a gorgeous tackle on Scott McTominay, uh, mm. which was very funny to see. Um, he, he just absolutely flipped Scott McTominay. Um, That's funny. I think he thought Scott McTominay was an Arsenal player. Like, I think he just, Hilarious. it was coming, you know, it was a yeah. like 50 50 ball, and he thought it was an Arsenal player. And so he wrecked him. Um, yeah. So for that, Anthony has my prompts for now. Um, and yeah, Ten Hag, um, I think you can see his style being implemented on the squad. I think for the first 15 minutes, those are some of the most dominant 15 minutes I've seen from a side in a long time. Mm, um, yeah. It was Man City esque. It was just never ending. Um, yeah. Just like wave after wave after wave. Um, and then, uh, you know, it was classic Blake and Oscar where I texted you that, man, you were absolutely massacring Arsenal. And then Arsenal immediately went up the other side, counterattacking. And scored and wrongfully had it called back against them. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I think uh, this match had to do a lot with uh, one, Manchester's energy. Um, and I, I don't think the energy at Old Trafford is usually so great. It is in like, I guess, these top billing matches. Um, the crowd can really get up for it. So I suppose for this specific match, you know, the crowd was fully behind the team and I think it showed. Um, yeah, it definitely did, didn't it? You're right. You're yeah. right. Um, and uh, the players looked up for it. Even Scott McTominay, I thought, you know, who I think is a pretty atrocious player. Uh, I thought he played quite well. Um, so, yeah. you know, even the in, worst in players the- in Manchester United's team were playing excellently. In the right system and on the right day, I think Scott McTominay is a really good player. Um, but I don't, you know, that's often hard for him to find. But if there's any manager that can bring the best out of a player like Scott McTominay, it's, it's Eric Ten Hag. It really is. Um, well, if there was any manager, I would love to see what Sean Dyche could do with Scott McTominay. Because I feel like he could turn him into the ultimate shitbag. Mm. Uh, like soul destroying center midfielder. Um, But uh, yes, I think overall this match sort of crowns Manchester United's recent turnaround. Um, And yeah, I guess Manchester United are good again and we should be scared. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um. Yeah, they've beaten two very good teams. Uh, I just have to say, in 10 days, they play the one, the only, Sheriff uh, in the Europa League. And Oh, yes. Go, Sheriff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will be looking very much forward to it. Um, 
But for now, Manchester United are good, pushing their way back up the table. Um, mm. Arsenal are at the top, um, a small blip, but I think, you know, if you have six matches and where five matches, you look absolutely incredible. And one match where you get beaten by the most informed team in the Premier League, um, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Um, is there any other team we need to talk about today? I don't feel the need to talk about anyone else. I mean, Liverpool have started very indifferently. Um, City are absolutely imperious on days, but are proving my prediction right that they drop these random points against people like Villa, even with the phenomenon that is Haaland in their side. But I mean, I think we've covered a lot. I think we've done a pretty good job. Um, And yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more pods as the weeks unfold, for sure. Yeah, do you just want to give me like three either deadline day or kind of end of the window transfers that you think are really interesting? Uh, I can blend interesting with funny if you want. Uh, yeah. Casemiro, uh, you know, that, that one was, was certainly something that's a, far too expensive for a 30-year-old that's won everything in the game, but um, it is exactly what United need. Amanda um, Bravka has moved to Man United. I don't think De Gea is ever getting dropped. He's too good, but uh, it's interesting backup. Uh, Leander Dendonka went to Villa permanently. Bizarre. Um, Akanji joined Man City. Depth, I suppose. Wesley Fofana uh, to Chelsea. That finally went through. Far too much money as well, although he was good against West Ham. Um, you know, the the never-ending Forest signings, Renan Lodi, uh, Serge Aurier, Che Kiate, Willy Bolly, adding to the ranks. Um, I already mentioned Morpé, Alex Izak. Uh, yeah, uh, those, those are the, my stuff. Oh, Artur, uh, that is a bizarre signing. Artur Mello to Liverpool. I heard, I heard a pundit or like football guy that I really respect say, what well, people are forgetting that at one point... Um, Artur was putting up similar numbers at Barcelona to Xavi um, and that he plays in like a similar mold. The guy was saying like, obviously he's not going to be Xavi Hernandez, but that in the right system and with a right coach, this guy could be really, really, really good. Um, but, you know, I don't understand why they've gone for a player that's always injured and like has a really weird attitude to pro- being professional and training and that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, but apart from that, I think I'm good. Yeah, um, I will give my shout-outs to... Uh, so, funny, Dan James to Fulham. Um, I just... I don't... Yeah. I, I, I don't see but, what anyone's ever seen in Dan James, other than I just, small man run fast. I don't know. I just, I just feel like people are... Too harsh on Dan James. I don't. He's not a sensational player, but he's he's a Premier League quality player. Like, in the sense that it's not his fault that they spent ridiculous. Like his transfer fees have just been insane. Um, and I thought he was quite good for Leeds. Like this is the strange thing. Like, yes, he's not going to give you goals, but why wouldn't you keep a guy like this in your side? Like he reeks mayhem. And, you know, so you're going to, you should capitalize that for the next four years because 28 plus, he's going to go downhill because, yeah, like you said, small man run fast. Like, um, 
I don't know. I don't know. I think people are they they people really want to not like Daniel James. But maybe I just have a soft spot because I feel kind of bad for him. I don't know. I think he's fine. Um, and then also in at Fulham, uh, Levin Krizava. Oh um, yes, Krizava. Doesn't he have like a infamously shitty attitude? Yeah, he's Wasn't he's a always... shit human. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, strange to bring it. Yeah, it's to. a weird one. Although I it's guess while while Fulham are away from the relegation zone, I suppose. It will work. Yeah. It's one of those things that works until it doesn't. Also, bringing in Shane Duffy. Um, oh, Shane Duffy, just, yeah. Uh, you know, Fulham, a side that gets criticized for not spending on defense, and then their response is like, okay, well, we'll buy Issa Diop and Shane Duffy. Uh, which yeah. just, you know, that's... And uh, it very much feels like uh, throwing so much shit at the wall um, and see yeah. what sticks kind of thing. Um, Everton, the return of Adrissa Ganagay, um, yes. who yeah. is yeah. Uh, a player I dislike very much. Um, who else? Um, the deadline day duo of Dennis Zakaria or yeah. Zakaria, depending Zakaria. on. The issue is he's Swiss, so depending on what part of Switzerland he's from, it's either Zachariah oh, or Zachariah. Very true. Zakaria. Very true. And very true. the return of Aubameyang to the Premier League. Oh, God, yeah. Aubameyang. For me, that reeks of American owners. Oh, absolutely. Lots of money to spend. I think he'll score goals. But, I mean, Chelsea, I'm very iffy on them this season. I stick with my preseason prediction on them. I don't think it's going to go super well for them. Um, and then one of my favorite signings, uh, Purvis Estupinian to Brighton. Oh my I god, yeah. really rate him. I think he's a great he's so good. wing back. Um, he's so good. Confused by uh, the Arthur signing. Um, yeah. Uh, sad to see Dubrovka go. Um, yeah, but Nick Pope's an upgrade. Yeah, it was just he's too good to be a backup. Um, yeah, and um, uh, ooh, uh, Chaleta Char from Mercedes. Oh, yeah, a weird like downgrade, racist own Chaleta Char, not a nice man. Um, I forgot he was a racist. Yeah, he um, used Neymar, didn't he, a couple times? Uh, yeah, but a former Wonder Kid and now at a strange yep. crossroads in his career and now ends up at yeah, Southampton. For sure. Um, Only 25. Yes. Feels like he should be much older than that. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, that that's the end of my list. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, do you think this was a um, transfer window of excesses? Oh, yes. I think this was an embarrassing transfer window. When you're signing, when you're having people sign Anthony for 85 million pounds, Casemiro for 60 million pounds, Fafana for 90 million pounds, this is embarrassing. Like, I thought Fafana that the pandemic. Fafana was only 70 million in the end. Oh, God, still. It will. It will be eighty-two. Add it. Yeah, add-ons, add-ons. Or eighty-five or something. 
Um, it, it, I, I really, really thought that the pandemic would change things, but it hasn't. It's only re- redoubled the ferocity of Premier League spending, um, and I don't like it whatsoever. Well, yeah, so it changed things, past tense, and then they changed it again back to... Yes, they changed it back, back didn't they? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I. this is actually, I don't know, maybe this is a, a longer conversation for another time, but mm. um, I was just thinking about like how do you prevent this sort of Premier League dominance over world football where all the best players get bought up by even relegation candidates in the Premier League. Um, and in the end, the only solution I could come up with was world footballing partnerships, yeah. a la Man City, um, where you would essentially have some sort of, you know, every club kind of bands together with certain clubs and there's revenue sharing down the line because it's in the best interest of some random Premier League team to keep up the you know ability of other teams in other countries because I think without it I can't see a way that doesn't just exacerbate the current issue right yeah yeah me neither I think I think you're right I think that is a uh, well, that is a conversation for another time but yeah There are other solutions, but that I think are less realistic of happening. Um, Yeah. You know, it's like the TV gives up on some of the Premier League uh, commercial revenue potential, um, which we just won't see. Um, Right. Or, I don't know, maybe a a collapse uh, is what it would take. Yeah, Um, or or government restrictions but that won't happen that won't happen exactly um yeah um yeah that's kind of a sad note to end on but unless you have that's okay else. i i don't have much uplifting for you it is just a, st- a sad reality um looking forward to this weekend hopefully we can get a pod out uh, this weekend maybe or, or early next week um and i'm this was great. I loved the return. Soon we will be reunited in person. I'm very much hoping so. It's been far too long. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. We do. Well, you're in New Jersey the... this weekend, so so next week we will do a podcast. Yes. We Remind do you. have the peaked too early derby this next we week. We do this so weekend. Hopefully... Predictions. Okay, okay. We can end on a prediction, Blake. What do you think? Six nothing. Yes. Uh, no, I'm joking. I will predict a 2-2 draw. I was going to do the same. Newcastle will score first. West Ham will score the next two. And West Ham, or sorry, Newcastle will score to equalize. I think for West Ham, it will be Antonio and Paqueta. And I think for Newcastle, it will be Isak and Alan St. Maximan. Love it. Um, I think I was going to genuinely say same 2-2. I think if West Ham lose this one, then the then the crisis talks bubble. They start to bubble. Um, I really, We really need to not lose this. We need to pick up a point. Ideally well, win, pick up a point. 2-2 draw sounds good to me. 
I'm sorry to extend the podcast for a little bit more, but um, what are, you know, like I know you are a very sensible fan and you're very realistic, if not pessimistic. Yeah. Um, what do the West Ham fans online think of the current scenario? Like, are they completely yeah. doom and gloom like most online fans are? I would say no. I don't think so. Okay. I would great. say no right now. Um, That's how I you think know that, things are will be okay, right? Like I think that right now, I think that right now we're okay as a fan base because I think that we've had enough success in the past two years and enough investment, crucially for the average fan, enough investment in the squad that people feel like we'll be okay. There's trust in Moyes. There's trust in this team, but I think it will start to turn if if results continue continue being under par yeah even if so as long as the most unreasonable section of the fan base is still on the side of west ham then west ham will undoubtedly be okay right yeah well thank you um now we get thank you for ending it on a high note makes me feel much better about signing off um this has been episode three of season three of the Peak Too Early podcast. Yes. Thank you all for listening. You can review us, leave us a comment, send us an email, get in touch any way possible, um, and uh, we would be extremely happy. Until then, uh, good luck Indeed. to your respective teams, unless you're yes. Oscar and West Ham. Uh, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye.